Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so let's get into this because we have a lot to talk about. There are several shootings that happened this week around the country, and you're hearing calls from our elected officials, we need gun control. That video you just watched was a young man, teenager, Anthony Thompson, who was shot and killed in a restroom in a high school. Uh, and so you have your president and the vice president of this country, they're calling for gun control. Well, you know what? That was an, an officer-involved shooting that had nothing to do with gun control. There's nothing that a background check would have done to stop that shooting. And those are some of the things they want to kind of misdirect you about. All right, so Anthony Thompson, he was a teenager who took a gun into a high school. Ladies and gentlemen, you take a gun into a school, that is a felony. You're putting yourself in danger by doing that. That is a felony. And I can't get past that point. I don't care what happened after that. He took a gun into a school. Whatever he did after that, he got what he deserved. Wake up and smell the coffee. Do not let these elected officials fool you. If you're raising a child who's going to take a gun into a school, are you serious right now? I'm not even going to have that discussion with you. That's not up for debate. Let's move on. Let's go to Ohio. Let's talk about Ohio. And so here we are, another shooting in Ohio. Officer involved shooting. You have your elected officials around the country, your president, your vice president. They're calling for gun control. Even in the city of Austin, the city of Austin has decided to come up with a resolution to demand that our elected officials at the Texas State Capitol come up with some type of gun control measures. Well, you know what? These shootings that they're referring to had nothing to do with regular people, law-abiding citizens owning firearms. These are officer-involved shootings, and they're calling for gun control. They're calling for universal background checks. It was the officer-involved shooting. They're calling for universal background checks when it was in, when an individual who legally purchased a firearm 
you know, in a totally different situation, uh, passed a background check, a universal background check law would not have stopped that shooting or stopped that person from getting their, their hands on a gun because they legally purchased it. These people, look here, black community, let me tell you, wake up and smell the coffee. You got to realize that these people are calling for gun control measures. They're calling for new laws. Any new laws that you put on the books are going to affect the black community. You know why? Because you are the one that are going to be the ones that get this interaction with law enforcement. The more laws you come up with, the more interactions you give the people in the black community. I'm telling you, you come up with no more laws, you're going to be affected by this. Wake up and smell the coffee. They don't care about you. If they cared about you, they would actually come up with, you know, Laws that change the use of force and daily force rules. Those are some of the things you want to do. You're not, there's nothing that you, you can do by stopping some of these shootings that we're talking about by you know, these law enforcement officers. These shootings still would have happened because guess what? That young lady, Makia, how do, I, I can't even say her last name. Um, Bryant, there we go. Makia Bryant, that shooting was a justified shooting, people. This young lady called 911, Makia Bryant. She's a teenager because there are some adults that were outside her home that were had knives and they were fighting. And so she called 911. She was a foster child. She, she was at home where she had a right to be, where she's supposed to be. These people were outside her home and they were fighting. It got to the point where she came outside of her home. Let me tell you something. This is why people are calling me and talking about what well, constitutional carry is going to pass. You know, permitless carry is going to pass and I can carry my gun without a license. Well, you're an idiot. You know why? Because you need to take a class and learn what the use of force and daily force laws are before you carry a gun or use a weapon, period. Because this young lady who was a teenager stepped outside of her home and with a knife to stab and, a, you know, get into a fight or confrontation with another person. You I tell people in my class, when you're taking the class, when you pull the gun out and use it, that is a $20,000 bullet when you pull that gun out. You, th you have a right to carry a gun, absolutely. You have a right to have it in your vehicle without a license, absolutely. You have a right to have a gun inside your home without a license, absolutely. But when you pull that gun out and use it, that is a $20,000 bullet. Why? Because you're going to go to jail. You're going to be fingerprinted, booked, spend night in jail, have to bail yourself out of jail. You have to hire an attorney. If you're in Travis County, Texas, uh, Williamson County, Texas, they're going to make you get an ankle monitor. You have to pay for that service, and you're, it's going to cost you 20 grand with attorney fees and all those other fees just to get to the grand jury phase. This young lady, let's go back. This young lady goes outside her home. The Castle Doctrine, please, people, listen to me. And you cannot get your legal advice, and I'm not an attorney, so you can't get legal advice from me, but I'm an instructor, and I'm going to tell you what the law says and what we tell people in the license carry handgun course. You, need, you cannot step outside your home and engage someone. You should not step out your home and engage someone just because they're on your property. When it comes to someone on your property, you can use force. You cannot use daily force to get them off your property. The only reason you would be able to use daily force to get someone off your property, you can't. <laughs> there you go, uh, unless they're attacking you, all right? So don't do it. You can use force. You cannot use deadly force. You can only use force if, they, if you've asked them to leave. They refuse to leave. It's criminal trespass. Then you can use force. You cannot use deadly force. You cannot, use, you cannot stab a person. You cannot shoot them. You're not justified in doing that under our laws. When it comes to the castle doctrine, if someone enters your home unlawfully, try to remove you from your home unlawfully, you can use force or deadly force to stop them. She should have stayed inside the house. 
If she was in her vehicle, someone tried to enter her vehicle, remove her while she's in her vehicle, she can use force, daily force to stop them. Don't step outside your vehicle. This is what we explain to people in the life to carry handgun course. Stay in your car. Your car, you're protected under the law. Stay inside your house because you're protected under the law if you stay inside the home. You step outside the home, then the law is not going to protect you. It's not going to cover you. She calls 911. Police officer shows up to the scene. There are sirens. There are lights. The officer turns his siren off. He comes to a stop. His lights are still on. He gets out of the vehicle. He approaches the home. He gets to the home. There's someone outside because the 911 call went out. There are people outside with a knife, and they're fighting. He pulls out. He gets out of his vehicle. He walks up to the scene, sees someone stabbing someone. He tells them to stop. If you don't have the common sense to stop when police arrive on the scene, this is what I explain to everyone, including my parents, when they're involved in a use of force, daily force situation. When my parents pulled out their gun and stopped that threat, I told my mother to pick up that gun, walk downstairs, put the gun on the table next to the door, and then open the door. Do not have a gun in your hand. When the police arrive at the scene, don't have a weapon, don't have a gun. When they say stop, they say stop. Because you do not know the information they've received on the call from the dispatcher to their computer to them. And they're responding to that call. You got to put the weapons down. When they arrive at the scene, this is not high school. This is not elementary school. This is not middle school. This is the life, people. And if you have a weapon, you have a gun, you will die. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so I just took my blood pressure medicine and brought it down a couple notches there. All right, so, yeah, my doctor called me up, sent me a text message, said, Michael, take your medicine. All right, so I took my medicine, bring that blood pressure down, and just checked it. I'm at a good level. I'm okay. Doing fine, but I'm just upset because I'm upset because... Yeah, people that watch these videos, they, you know, they have this interaction with law enforcement and you have no idea how to interact. You got to learn how to interact with police Uh, when there's a use of force in daily force situation. That's why I tell my family members and I'm not going to take a call from anyone else when it comes to that. I take a call from my family when they're involved in a situation where they pull a gun out, knife, whatever it is that defend themselves. Call the police first. You know, then I have them call me and I make sure they do the right thing. And we call an attorney and, and, and I really want them to talk to an attorney. And I want the attorney to speak to the police for my family. You know, when you call the police to your house, I have a number one rule in my house. The number one rule is don't call the police. 
That's the number one rule. Amen. Don't call the police. So what do I do? You know, I'm in a situation, I handle that situation. If I have to call law enforcement, I have to call paramedics, then I, when they do arrive on the scene, I make sure I'm not going to have a weapon in my hand because, well, you know what? I, I know that I called the police and they're arriving to the scene. When the police get there, they're going to focus on any weapon that they see. You got to realize that. I don't know what goes through people's heads. Why would you call the police in the first place? You know what's going to happen. Police show up. They see a weapon. They're going to engage and, and they're going to stop whatever's happening with that weapon. <laughs> get your head out of your three point of contact. If you don't if you don't want police to respond you know, in the manner they're responding to this situation right here, then don't call them. Don't call them. Don't call them because you know what's going to happen. I want to change gears a little bit. I want to come back to this. Uh, like I said, that Makia Bryant shooting was justified because she had a knife in her hand. She was stabbing another person. Police saw this, told them to stop. They did not stop. They shot her justified. You heard the sirens. You saw the lights. Police were on the scene. You should have put the weapon down. If I was a civilian and I'm jogging, I would, let's say I'm walking my dog in that neighborhood. I'm a civilian. I'm walking my dog in that, in that neighborhood, and I saw this young person, this person stabbing another person. I would have shot her too. I would have blew her away. That's the fact. So let's not, <laughs> let's not cover it up. Let's not pretend it's something else, okay? You got to understand what the laws are. You got to understand use of force and daily force. Let's talk about the homeless here in Austin, Texas. We have a serious problem here with the homeless. We have a serious problem because our city council, they're so busy focusing on so many other things. They're focusing on, let's say, gun, you know, gun issues when they have no control, no power to affect gun issues. If you have no power to, you know, to do anything about gun laws, then why are you discussing them? How about you? What a concept, Mayor Adler. How about what a concept, uh, Councilmember Kassar? Uh, what about you focus on the things that you have the power to affect or the power to control? How about dealing with the homeless situation, the situation that you created? You put us in this mess. This is a this is disgusting. It is nasty. This city is turned to such a nasty, dirty, crime-ridden city. Last night, there were 25 shootings in this city. 25 all surrounding with some type of homeless situation, some type of, you know, it, it just it just all convoluted together. All because our city council has created this problem by removing the camping ban and allow anyone to just sit and lie wherever they want to lay. And it's turned into just nothing but crime, crime, crime. They sleep during the day and commit crimes at night. That is what's happening. There's no allegedly. That's exactly what's happening. I want to bring into the conversation Cleo. Cleo, because we have on the ballot here in Travis County, Austin, Texas, uh, to actually start the camping ban back up again. Is that correct? Right. Reinstate the camping ban. Go ahead and explain that to people. Hi, I'm Cleo Patricic. I'm the co-founder of Save Austin Now Pack. Um, it was created after the disastrous policies that the city council implemented in June 2019. Um, at that time, I started Safe Project, which was uh, a group that was formed here in South Austin to deal with the shelter that they were trying to place here without any uh, community outrage, uh, community involvement. And they quickly disbanded that after so much the outpour from not only South Austin, from, but from every part of Austin. Every everyone sh should take heed that whatever happened in Austin in South Austin is now trying to happen up. I just came through Candlewood Suites. 
I was there at the protest with uh, Judge Gravel and uh, McKenzie, Councilman, Councilperson uh, McKenzie. Uh, this the same scenario, no transparency. Uh, placing shelters, encampments, campgrounds near children in schools is a non-starter for me, no matter where it is. Their children should be safe, and this shelter or encampments, they, they have not personally impacted me, but the fact that they are impacting communities, uh, especially for me, communities, uh, working-class communities, communities of color, uh, I have a huge problem with that because they're not popping up everywhere, and they're allowed to happen in places where our council persons uh, and kitchen and P.O. Renteria have sold our neighborhoods out. They ignore our calls. They don't answer them anymore. They don't even bother to reply with a generic email anymore. They have basically given up. When we met with the mayor two years ago, we had specific things that we requested in regards to the encampments and the shelter. And everything that we predicted two years ago is exactly what's happened, but worse. Mm. I mean, the fires daily basis, they've doubled. Uh, the crime rate is up. The violent crime rate is up. Um, and, I mean, everybody, Drug use. yeah, and everybody has their own horror story. And this is not like, oh my God, it just looks so ugly. No, it's the actual interactions that are constant because they're in common spaces now. They're in the trails. Everybody is impacted. I was surprised how many encampments are now in Northwest Austin, uh, down 183 near Candlewood Suites. It's it's been an organized effort. In the middle of the night that the city council and the homes not handcuffed folks. And in fact, I'm surprised Chris Harris has never I know you've invited him here. They On were, numerous occasions. Yeah, I've and I've, I've I I just debated him uh two a uh, few days ago. Those people those people are afraid to come onto this show. Yeah. Because they, 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 they know, know what they're doing is wrong. Absolutely. And you're going toe to toe and you can't pull out all these cards when they, they know all these excuses and all these isms are not gonna work with you, Cargo. They're not. That's not going to fly. And it. They tried to do that with me, and he. He basically hung up at the end of the debate because he had nowhere to go. Because uh, we both come from the same type of environment, and it is wrong to to pit groups against each other when everybody should be putting the onus on the city council for failing to keep every part of Austin safe. And you have people that are on both sides of the, the aisle here. You have Democrats and Republicans who are saying, "Hey, this is a problem in this city." Which it is. Absolutely. Because Every you're not part. a Republican. No, absolutely not. I'm a big-time activist. I have voted for Adler before this, but I'm, I'm telling you, you, you have uh, definitely impacted Democrat vote in, in Austin. And, in fact, I think it's woken up uh, the moderates, like myself, that are saying, hey, this party is going too far to the left. There's a problem here, and we need we need cover because we cannot continue this. We cannot have a city, a safe city that is walkable, that you can go to the grocery store and not be uh, assaulted or uh, someone aggressive, aggressively panhandling you. When my husband's driving in his truck, the homeless are not impacting him. They're not knocking on his door. Homeless no homeless men know who to to try to That's right. take advantage of. And That's it's right. it's women in cars or walking. That's right. And it's wrong because every woman I know has their own story. That's right. And if anything, we aren't gonna let this continue because I will make sure and all moms across Austin will make sure their children are safe. That's right. It's women and kids that are they're affected that are impacted. Absolutely. By this. And Robert Morrow says Prop B is a full frontal assault on free speech. He says it also criminalizes falling asleep in public. 
and he says he voted against it and Prop B, and, and by the way, he says it's going to fail. Well, you know what, Robert? Our call-in number is 512-643-5483. That's anyone that has a comment. You got something to say. You're for it. You're against it. I want to hear your thoughts. If you're against this, then you call us up and you tell us we're wrong. You know, it's our telephone number is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. We are not against homeless. I've housed homeless in my home, refugee families. I'm a longtime probation officer and social. I've worked in social services my entire adult life. This is not about that. In fact, we are hurting the homeless, having them in these unregulated, lawless uh, encampments. Uh, we're going to be having uh, soon, we're going to be putting out on blast, uh, a homeless uh, lady who has been victimized uh, in these encampments who wants to, he wa- she wants her story told. She wants to tell every council member that her life is no longer safe in these encampments. They have allowed this to continue. Crime flourishes, it, 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 not only in the encampments, but the surrounding communities. No one is safe from this. In fact, you know, we all have had, you know, a long history in Austin where we've interacted with homeless before. Now there's this criminal element that has come in and is they are uh, they're distracting from the need of the ones who want services, who want to be housed. When all we're dealing with are the people that are starting fires, this whole SWAT incident that happened at Central Market and Westgate, did you talk about it? No. Or you know about it? Mm-hmm. It happened on, a, I think it was on a Friday night. We'll talk about it after the break. Yeah. All right, so we're talking with Cleopatra. She's gonna, she's talking to us about Prop B, Prop Bob, Bravo, and we're saying vote yes. yes. Vote yes. yes on Prop B. That election is going on right now. Early voting started last week. It's going on right now as we speak. If you're going to HEB, you're going to the grocery store, there are voting locations all around this city. Go vote today. Vote yes on Prop B. And let's take care of our homeless situation. It takes oh, five minutes. We're talking with about Makia Bryant, that shooting, a teenager. We're talking about Peyton Ham. Did you hear about him? We're going to talk about that shooting. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk, 1370. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking about the homeless situation here in Austin, Texas. We're talking about these shootings that have happened around the country. You know, people are all in, up in arms about these recent shootings. Uh, there's a shooting, uh, Makia Bryant, that took place in Ohio, and people are upset. And they're, you know, because it happened literally moments before uh, the verdict came down of that police shooting of um, the young man that was killed in, well, he's from Houston, originally from Houston, uh, of that court case. It happened the exact same day, you know, and boom, Makia Bryant was, you know, actually shot and killed a teenager. And so, rightfully so, you know, a teenager has lost her life. But we have to understand gun laws. We have to understand use of force and daily force. We have to understand the force continuum. We have to understand uh, the different rules that police officers have to follow, especially in their state. And also you need to understand the laws in your state where you are. And to talk more about that, because you know, a lot of people are asking you know, about this permitless carry, you know, which has not passed, by the way. Permitless carry, which means that you know, without a license, you may carry your handgun. Um, and that has not passed. It only passed the House. It has to go through the Senate, and it has to be signed by the governor before it takes effect. And so people are all excited about this and think that this has already happened when it has not happened. But I want Edwin Walker with Texas U.S. Law Show to come in and tell us a little bit about this permitless carry because you got to know what the, the laws are before you carry a gun. Yes, you have a right to carry a gun right now in your car. You have a right to have a gun at home. Absolutely. Several places you can actually have a gun without a license. But when can you use the gun? Because once you pull that gun out and use it, it is a $20,000 bullet. And if you don't know what the use of force and deadly force laws are, you're going to go to jail. Either it will be court ordered for you to take a class or you will lose your gun rights forever because you do not know what the laws were, including a, using a knife, using a stick, a club. You need to know what the laws are before you hit someone or use it. Because if you don't, you're going to jail or when the police show up and they see you, uh, getting ready to stab someone, they're going to shoot you and be totally justified. Evan Walker, principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Show, welcome to come and talk, it, sir. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks Absolutely. For having me. Absolutely. So, Edwin, tell us about this permitless carry bill that we have before the Texas, uh, going to the Texas Senate that's passed the Texas House. Yeah, it is House Bill 1927. And so um, for those of you, those listeners, uh, your listeners that are interested in following legislation, whenever the session first started, there were about a half a dozen uh, constitutional carry or permitless carry bills that were filed. And those have all been distilled down into one, one bill, 1927. It was the one that passed. It was the one that made it out of committee. There are actually two that made it out of committee. This was one of them. Uh, it was the one that received the debate on the floor. It was the one that was that was actually amended in a couple of places. And it was the one that was actually sent to the Senate. So all the other constitutional carry or permitless carry bills that people may have been thinking about or hearing about or following, you can disregard those. Uh, it's down to one bill, 1927, and it was sent to the Senate. And of course, uh, some people, you know, were went and asked Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick said, uh, very summarily said, well, we don't have the votes to pass it. And there apparently there's been a lot of pushback against that. Uh, the Senate has filed its own bill. Um, I can't remember the exact number. Senate bill 2-2-something-something. Something. Right, right. Uh, but they filed their own version. And so the Senate does have two versions to consider. And so for those of you who are interested, go read both bills. Compare them side by side. 
there are some differences and some differences are more important than others. Uh, But it will be interesting to see, uh, obviously, what happens with the Senate, because uh, the Senate procedurally has a way, a lot of ways to stop it. And in fact, I heard a very interesting uh, a very interesting analysis this morning on one of my local news channels uh, where it said that Dan Patrick, uh, that the Senate has already sent over to the House uh, about 20 of bills that Dan Patrick held as a priority. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he may be playing politics with this uh, by saying, look, you know, the sooner you take up my 20 Senate pr- uh, priority bills, uh, the sooner this permitless carry bill may uh, get a hearing. And so it's it's definitely now part of the political process. And whether it passes uh, or does not get a hearing is going to be completely, you know, the, the sort of the philosophical arguments aside, I don't think that those have much, um, those have much weight at this point. And the, the, the further it proceeds in the legislative process is all going to be the result of political horse trading. Right. And it, and it doesn't matter, you know, like because the, these all these bills are different. You know, the House bill is going to be different from the Senate bills, the two Senate bills that they they brought forward or slightly, you know, there's some differences in those bills. So, and, you know, whatever differences, what comes out of the Senate, you know, they're going to have to, you know, if whatever gets proved in the Senate, it's going to have to get they're going to have to get together in the House and have a conference committee. You know, figure out which bill is going to go forward. Then it has to go back. It has to be approved. You know, there's all this little process. It's a there's a whole process to all this, and the clock is ticking. You know, we're actually next week is going to be May. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, once the you know, if a bill makes it out of the Senate, whether it's the Senate's original bill or whether it's uh, 1927 making it back, if there is uh, some change which they deem to be a significant change. Uh, then it does have to be reconciled and it has to be compromised and then it has to be approved by both ha- uh, both chambers once again. Uh, and then and only then it makes it to uh, Governor Abbott. And, uh, you know, as I've said on your show before, as you have said many times, uh, Texas is uh, the, the Texas legislative session. Once it ends, it's it, it ends. And once that bell rings, it's just like Cinderella at midnight. <laughs> your bill, you know, if your bill hasn't made it out, it's going to turn back into a pumpkin. That's right, and and it, it's funny because a lot of people don't know what the different laws are. I was downtown Austin uh, this past week, and I was talking to some door people, uh, like you know the door guys, the bouncers, or and also some security officers, level three and level two security officers working on Sixth Street, and these people here still today did not know the fact that, guess what. Their bars that they're they're tasked to protect, they're tasked to you know provide security for, or to be the door guy, the bouncer for. Their bars, you can actually carry a gun with a license in there. You know, here we are. This is 2021, and I would think everyone would know that. But you know what? Guess what? Our laws. There's so many different you know different things about the Texas laws, and it takes a it takes a really long time. It takes us like four six hours to explain this stuff in the classroom, you know, to people. And you know, you're probably not going to remember half the stuff. But we try to beat it into your brain, and it's a lot of information. And here we are, 2021, you know, and they're shocked by the fact that they changed their liquor license from a 51% liquor license during the pandemic. They changed it to a restaurant. And since they changed it to a restaurant, a person with a license can carry a gun inside and also can take any size knife inside. And they didn't have a clue. They didn't know that. 
And so I, I showed them, you know, I had to pull up my phone, pull up their liquor license. I showed them their liquor license online and, and informed them that the sign they were posting was the incorrect signage. And I can call TABC and report them and uh, they would get in trouble. And then also they, you know, you need to tell people either verbally that they can't bring a gun inside or post a third out six and third out seven sign. They were totally shocked by this. Uh, so we had a nice little conversation, you know, about this. And it, it like I said, even st- it's still today, 2021, people don't know this, Edwin. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things about uh, House Bill 1927, whether you philosophically agree with the, the concept of permitless carry of a handgun or you do not, one of the things that 1927 did do as a practical matter is they uh, it is an attempt to uh, to to basically uh, simplify the handgun laws and put them all in uh, one or two sections. Uh, you know, of course, we have uh, basically your general prohibition under 4602. You have your uh, your your statutory excluded places for all firearms in 4603. You have your statutory prohibited places uh, for handgun holders in 46035. But some of those places handgun holders are allowed to carry if they're not given the private property 30-06 or 30-07 notice. Uh, private property owners have the ability to exclude uh, weapons, all types of weapons, under 30, 30.05. But if it's specifically a handgun they want to exclude, they have to carry a handgun carried by a license holder. They have to do it under 30-06 for uh, concealed carriers, 30-07 for uh, folks who want to openly carry uh, their handgun. And so there is there is a lot out there, uh, but it can be uh, it can be that knowledge can be acquired, obviously, by taking a class uh, from you. They can acquire that knowledge uh, by buying the Texas Law Shield Armed and Educated book and reading it. Which is a which is a gun law Bible, let me tell you. So uh, so the, the ability to learn uh, these gun laws, they are out there. And the thing about it is what is unique about the gun laws is that it's basically the majority of... The gun laws themselves are all possession laws. Obviously, if you use a gun to commit a crime, uh, then you should already know that whatever you're doing with the gun that threatens or harms another person is a criminal act, whether it's attempted murder, aggravated sexual assault, aggravated robbery. Uh, if you're doing a crime with a gun, you know that's that's a crime. Uh, and so the weapons laws, when we talk about weapons laws, we are talking generally about uh, the laws about where, where what what uh, what weapons you can possess, where you can possess them, under what circumstances you can actually display them. And then, of course, uh, what those go hand-in-hand hand with the self-defense laws, which are outlined in Chapter 9 of the Texas Penal Code, which everybody, regardless of whether or not you are carrying a firearm, um, if you're attacked at the gas station and you're one of those folks that either doesn't have a license or says, I don't believe in carrying a handgun, uh, but you just happen to reach into your uh, car and pull out a screwdriver, or a crowbar, or a, 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 you know, or, a, or something else to defend yourself. Uh, you're still going to need to know because in that type of circumstance, uh, those would be considered deadly weapons, and so you need to know. Like I said, if you even if you don't carry a gun, you need to know what the self-defense laws are in order to make sure that you're lawful in their use, uh, make sure that you know under what circumstances you can use those, and try to figure out where that line is, because sometimes it is a bright line, and that's one of the great things about Texas self-defense laws, is it does give us a bright line to say, 
This is whenever you can be given a presumption of reasonableness to use uh, force or deadly force. Uh, but then there is uh, there are areas of nuance and areas of gray uh, where you are going to need that knowledge before you get in trouble. You will not have time to learn it after you get in trouble because at that point the die is cast and your fate will be left to the justice system. All right, man, I'll tell you what. Thank you, Edwin Walker, the principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Uh, that Texas gun law book from Texas Law Shield is a great book. That's the Texas Bible. You got to get that book because it tells you everything you need to know. It talks about purchasing guns. It talks about shipping guns, uh, whether, you know, what type of service you can use to ship your gun and how to go about it. So definitely get that information and get yourself Texas U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Chloe on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cardell. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about this uh, Proposition B with the Austin, Texas. Just so you know, if you you listen somewhere, you listen outside of Texas here, uh, Texas has a huge homeless situation where... Before we had a, what was it, prior to 2019 or in the year? About 1,200 homeless uh, estimated. So back then it was like 1,200 homeless people. And now the numbers. And we had a a law law in effect that you couldn't camp, you couldn't sit and lie on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Right. So then the city council repealed that and allowed Mm -hmm. people to sit and lie anywhere in the city. Right. And so now we're looking at 80% criminal trespasses up. 700% 700% public intoxication, 120% violent disturbances, 60% emotional disturbed persons, 300% gun incidents, 33% overall increase on all crimes. Right. And this was predicted. And no safeguards from the mayor, even though we met with him to keep communities safe. Uh, the communities that are most impacted are communities of color. Uh, working class communities that are just trying to make it, just trying to feed their families, keep have a playground to play. And now they're all, and the mayor even promised me, hey, the, the parks, commons places will be fine. You'll be fine two years ago. Lies. You know, he has in, ensured no one's safety. Um, I, I'm thankful for the, the young lady that we're meeting with tomorrow, the homeless lady that is begging the council for the, the camping ban. She uh, fears for her life. Uh, is unsafe. Uh, right now, women are sex trafficked, and um, the crime uh, is allowed to happen uh, without any type of regulation. That's the part that that this whole criminalization and this buzzword. You know, I'm a Democrat, and I, I appreciate you know 
police brutality, over-policing, profile. I appreciate all that. I'm a former probation officer. I didn't choose law enforcement. I chose probation and working within the community environment to try to uh, restore safety, protect uh, uh, the communities, but also try to rehabilitate people. Um, however, when you have places that crimes are flourishing and you're placing them immediately next to children in schools where registered sex offenders, you're expecting me to have to, to these encampments to be a best case scenario that they're all going to behave and everything's going to be okay. No, as a mom, I'm always going to be looking at the worst case scenario for my children. And if it's, if this is, it's not happening in my community, but if it's happening in any community, every person, regardless of party, regardless of socioeconomic background, should care that these communities aren't unsafe. Travis Country Circle, Circle C, all these uh, upper middle class neighborhoods, they don't have encampments. So they can say, oh, accept them. They're, they're your neighbors. You know, these are they're, they 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 deserve to to be wherever. That's not true because they live with it for 24 seven and see what is happening at 2 a.m. Someone defecating or or on your yard you know, trying to break in. And you, if you're a woman or you're a single mom and you're require, you're trying to protect your child, how who is keeping you safe? Because if the crimes are Second allowed Amendment. to flourish, um, the crimes are allowed to flourish because of this, the mayor, the every stop the sweeps, whoever, everyone needs to put their direction and, and the attention to the city council. They have failed the homeless. Uh, just because I, think I agree with you there, they did fail. They had a lot of time to act on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But uh, um, I think criminalizing them you more. You want to say your name or who you are? Um, my name is Taylor. Taylor. Um, What's up, Taylor? Hey, how, how you doing, Cargill? So um, I think um, Prop B will only result in more criminalization. It's only going to result in way more desperation for people who are homeless because they're going to not be able to keep their, self, um, their stuff safe. They're gonna, people are going to take their stuff away. You're going to take the camps away. One of the biggest problems with um, homelessness is the people lose their ident- identification, so it's hard for them to get a job. They don't have a place, a permanent address, and these camps allow them to have that, and they have a le- place where they can keep their stuff. Because yeah, there's, there's an address on Ben White? Oh, yeah, they use the intersections. As an address, and they yes. can receive mail there? No, they can't receive mail there, unfortunately. You're correct on that. All right. But it's a place for them to keep their belongings so they don't lose their identification, which is something that keeps, like, getting your birth certificate and IDs can sometimes take a long time. I appreciate that. And I, it's honorable what you're doing. You know, you're you're trying to speak up for those who who really don't have a voice. They're not able to get in here and speak for themselves. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's hard to look at poverty, too, especially because it, it's sad. And it, it is dangerous, too. Even um, uh, two nights ago at the Arch, someone actually drove by the Arch and um, did a drive-by and shot into the people who were Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And I believe um, there I think are, there's a lot of anger there are terrible too. people that are setting fires yeah. that are people who have homes that are setting fire to tents. I, I know really? that is happening. I haven't, didn't see any direct correlation with that. But Oh, there, I have. There's... I've seen that a couple years ago that did happen. Okay. Um, they threw something at one of them. However, very unfortunate. however, overwhelmingly, the, home, the homeless individuals are not being helped in these unregulated encampments. Two years ago, I begged the, the mayor before he went on vacation, please find safe campgrounds, water, toilets, a place for them to be able to store and lock away their things, a place where service providers can find them. He refused. He said, if we do that, then they'll never leave a city campground. The state, and, and hold on a second, everyone wants to say Prop B, it, it won't put anything, it won't help. 
You don't need a law or a proposition to find safe campgrounds. The state did it, and I didn't vote for the governor. I have never voted for a Republican. We can do better. We, you know, we're, everyone says we're so sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's use it for correct. Let's put the attention at the city council instead of fighting us who are wanting the uh, campgrounds that are safe. This is impacting children. One day, I hope that when you have children, like I, my child is safe. He's never been. I mean, it impacts a lot of things, including I, industries as well, because absolutely. people are afraid to go, especially to Sixth Street. People are afraid to go there. Yes. Um, but like, I think criminalizing them like this and finding it, them constantly isn't going to be able to help these people improve their lives. It's going to keep them into the it's prison. It's not system. criminalizing but, homelessness. But that's a question that I put to you, right? Yeah. That's a fair question. Is that so? What's your strategy? So say, say we pass Prop B and right. camping's illegal, right? right. So APD go on like a rampage, arresting every homeless person they can find in the city. Okay, what, well, what's like, what's like step B? Like, I got let's, you. Let's, let's I got play you. Your yes, I got you. Out. So what do we so, do? So first of all, homeless deserve dignity. They they deserve a quality of life. I absolutely believe. Not everybody might not believe that, but if you are around me and you talk, no. hold on a second. No, no, I'm going to answer your question. Um, that that's number one. Okay, I've housed them in my home. I have. I, I want better for them. However, this is not the solution of having unregulated encampments. Number two, yeah. let's let's don't even ask me because I'm not even an expert. Let's ask the actual experts across the city. Haven for Hope in San Antonio, which we visited. We visited Skid Row. We visited Housing First Strategy in Houston. They all have camping bans, and they all are begging the state to continue the camping bans. They say they work. They compel people to seek services, to seek shelter. Letting them live in lawlessness, in filth and squalor is not the answer. They will tell you that the experts that have been doing this longer Mm -hmm. than you were born, Mm -hmm. they will tell you that, which is true. I mean, these people have been doing it 25, 30 years. They're slightly patronizing to say that statement. No, but it's it's the truth. Because you're a little baby. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I wish I... Well, let me tell you... comments about age, I mean, like... Well, listen, I wish I was in my 30s. I'm 44, so I wish I could say me too longer than I've been born. But... Uh, what I'm saying is if you listen to the people that are the, the foots on the ground, the professionals, mm-hmm. they will tell you, they will ask them you, if there is, if there's an encampment and they're allowed to happen, they're like, why am I going to go to your shelter? Like I get everything I want here and I can do drugs. And then the problem with the housing first strategy, which is the strategy that's saying, hey, no rules. We're going to give you a house. Do what you want with it. As you see in that fact sheet that you just read, the crime increases. So and in California and New York, they are stopping these housing first. They're putting a pause on them because the crime has exploded. We need to find solutions, and everybody needs to be invested in this. If we all did our part, you know, the homeless situation would be. But we also have to see that the homeless have a responsibility, too. If we want to call them their neighbors, then they have to comp- abide by rules. They have to keep their environment safe. They have to make sure that they're not using drugs on playgrounds. These playgrounds that are majority Hispanic, 80% majority Hispanic, three predominantly around, not here, but over there by the 290 uh, encampments that were first started. Now they're every part of Austin. But these are majority Hispanics that are dealing with predominantly high crime compared to West Austin or Northwest Austin, North South Austin. It is wrong. And why are we not putting the attention on the city council for failing to protect these schools and these children? Why are we allowing that? We're we're sick of it, and having a camping ban will ensure that the city council finds safe places for them. They deserve to be protected. Women deserve to not be sex trafficked. Neighborhoods deserve not for children to see women being sex trafficked using drugs in public. 
So you're saying, in, in a sense, this Proposition B, voting yes on it, would be kind of forcing city council's hand to do to something? To make decisions. It will be resoundingly clear that the, that the city council needs to do better. And the reason they're not doing it, and this is what breaks my heart. This is what breaks my heart for real. Because I grew up, my best friend was shot in the back by her by her friend in South Dallas. My, my best friend mom was a prostitute. I grew up in the hood. Okay, what hurts me the most is that these neighborhoods that are being most impacted, everyone is okay with that. None of the Democrats, none of my friends, none of the people that we've, you know, voter registered drives, all of them, where are they? Why, are not, why aren't they calling the city council that we put into power and saying, why are you not keeping these communities safe of color? Why? Why? Because it's not happening in their communities. They can be Democrats in Travis Country Circle and Circle C and all these other places and say, hey, we need to help the homeless. But what about these communities? Why aren't you picking up the phone? Why aren't you coming and petitioning with me? All right. So we're talking about the homeless situation. We're talking about Prop B. We're talking about voting yes or voting no on Prop B. I say vote yes. It is nothing like driving down on I-35, going by I-35 and 51st Street and seeing all that stolen property that's on the access road. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about talking about shootings around the country. We're talking about the city of Austin, Texas. We're talking about this homeless problem that we're having. Talking about the fact that, you know what, you know, you can drive down I-35, you take a look to your right there, you're going north, and you'll see all this stolen property, whole bunch of it, right in the intersect, right by I-35 and 51st Street. You got to check that out. You'll probably see some of your stolen goods there. That's right. Go by and take a look. I bet you your bicycles, your your lawnmowers, your 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 stoves, your 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 grills. You'll be surprised the kind of stuff that you're fine. All your little stolen property, your kids' toys. Yeah, it's right there. I thirty five and fifty first street. Check it out for yourself. All right, so. Man, we, we got a lot of comments here. Robert Morrow is saying, you know, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Robert, you need to call into the show because Robert says Prop B makes it illegal to ask people for money or a, or a thing of value after a certain um, certain or in certain public spaces, places. And how in holy did he – I'm not going to say that. Is that constitutional? So, uh, Robert, call us. And if you call us, you cannot curse, okay, or no, the world would not hear you if you do. Uh, it's so a safety issue. Yeah. After 7 p.m., uh, panhandling, aggressive panhandling, we do not want, as women, to be uh, talked to aggressively, uh, treated in, after hours. It's it's not safe during the day, first of all, for me, to walk around. And uh, it's, it's no longer safe, uh, basically, as a woman to walk around Austin. Um, and if you have someone panhandling, possibly on drugs, possibly intoxicated, you know, all these things that I'm supposed to predict. Okay, best case scenario, this person is just somebody down on their luck that needs food, that needs money for food. But that's not how we women think. I don't care who you are, homeless or not, do not come up to me at, after 7 p.m. at nighttime if I'm by myself or with my child. You carry a gun, by the way. Can I just ask, do you carry a gun? Do you have a license to carry? I do have a license to carry. Do you carry a firearm? No. Okay, cool. Interesting. And see, what I, what, I, what I don't like is I don't like the fact that if I don't cut my grass, I can get a ticket. I like the fact if I don't remove my trash can from the road, I'll get, you know, code enforcement will show up. 
I like the fact that, you know, if I, you know, leave something in my, my driveway, you know, camper or RV or something like that, you know, I'll get this notice or something, you know, either from a homeowner association or, you know, some, some other entity. I don't like, you know, things of that nature. But you know what? Those are, you know, where I live, those are things that I have to follow, the rules I have to follow. We have rules in my community. We have, we have laws that I have to follow. And why do we allow for the homeless people to just skirt through these laws? You can just dump trash anywhere, and then I have to pay for that. My tax dollars are paying for that. I'm paying a lot of taxes, and I have to send someone from the city and the, or the state, if it's a highway, to collect all that trash every week. Yeah, and you're, you're forgetting about the working middle class, the ones that are working two jobs to afford to live in Austin, and then also being taxed, and you're telling them, okay, we are going to support a, a homeless individual and not ask them questions about how and just give them a house, and I can't even afford to live here. Uh, teachers can't afford to live here. It is wrong. If, and then it's not even safe or clean. Like where everyone has their hands there, like what are how, what? How is this helping us? I'm saying, grow up, be an adult, and be a productive member of society. If you're not a productive member of society, then get out. That's what I say. What do you say? You're laughing. Uh, Go ahead, let's bring <laughs> I it. Mean, you're talking to the guy who was literally homeless for like two weeks. I don't care. Month, so, um, I, I <laughs> and we have... and we did we not solve their problem. Yes, uh, we, we you're did... here. <laughs> Thank you. We did, we Your hair solve... looks clean, uh, so you yeah. look like you're all good. No, no I, I got a job and all that stuff. But I, I mean, I must admit, like I, I was sleeping in Barton Creek Park, right? Oh my by gosh. the um by the, the, the big monkey tree, the, right. the, the, the drum circle, right. and like. To be honest, that that I, I deliberately went there because I used to live on East Caesar Chavez, right uh -huh. by the big cup. Like I used to actually have a house out there. Right. And then when I lost that, I went over to this park, and it was actually kind of nice there because there was a couple. Did of you guys... lose it because you lost your job or what? Yeah, happened? I was unemployed. I've been unemployed oh for like gosh. six months. Um, but like when I was over at this, and uh, blah, 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 blah. I, I, there's RVs out there. Correct. And um, and <laughs> yeah, like it, it was it, it wasn't too bad in the sense that like. Every, like everyone's kind of collecting their trash and obviously we had like cars right so we had like vehicles and people had like you know electricity and solar panels and all this kind of stuff so it was very different but i mean the, i i've met a lot of the people homeless people on east Caesar chavez because i lived like a like the same block as right. right so like, i didn't really have any major issues with them um when, when they were living there like they, they all like cracked out but do you know what i mean like i didn't have any problem with them but we figured out there's an issue and the issue was resolved it, it, get, it gets resolved because you know what? You have drive. That's right. You have determination. Well, no, you you say, you know what? Adult, I don't right? want to be in this situation, yeah. right. so That's I'm going right. to do something to change the situation. The right. problem that we have is mm -hmm. that people don't care. They're right. going to sit in this swallow and stay that way if we allow them to stay that way. Right. They're not going to change it for themselves. Okay. They're not going to say, you know what? I don't want to live like this. I need to do better for myself. Okay, on a philosophical level. Pro, uh, on a philosophical level, then, what justification do you have to dictate how other people live their lives? and the quality of life that they live. Because I have to pay for that mess that they're it making it get up. cleaned up and they're and they actually still in my property and causing damage to my property and I have a going to kick them out of this city and and we're going to make sure we have a camping so, so, so ban. So you're mad and that we're they're gonna, taking your money to I'm mad because they're damaging my city, they're destroying my property, they're defecating on my property, they're burning my property, they're graffitiing my property, they're breaking into my property. Yeah, I have big problems with it. But then okay. that's not your property. That's public property. Your property no, it's mine no, because you, I lease it. I lease. Your property I pay is, taxes. Is your, is your I land. pay a lot of taxes. I'm sure you do. <laughs> but I'm saying like your property, your property is, is the land that you own. You you have a deed to your house. That's your property. Outside of that is none of your concern. The business? Yeah, no, that, that's also your property. That's the, and that's what I'm talking about. So everything I'm complaining and about the, is the either the business, business or the house. <laughs> no one okay? can get near the business, hey, right? It is what it is. <laughs>
<laughs> it is what it is. All right, but let's bring to the conversation Kevin Lutlow. Kevin, you're on with Come and Talking. What's going on, Kevin? What's up? What's up, Michael? Been a long time. Yes, sir. My friend, I haven't talked to you in for like forever. It's been like, I think it was 2014. Uh, 14, maybe a little bit of 15 and 16 too. But yeah, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing great. So, man, Kevin, you got this video out there uh, that you uh, will tell us about this video because uh, you started. You know, when it was beautiful, it was a nice area, you know, nice part of, I guess, Austin or whatever it was. But, you know, tell people what, what it was and what this video is all about. And we're yeah, and also so we're, we're also going to play it in the background. Okay. Yeah. So, so I've been listening to the last, what, 20 minutes or so of the show. And you guys are talking about 51st Street and 35. So I live right over there in Windsor Park. And that's where most of the videos that I've filmed have come from. There's one in particular that I think you're talking about. It's been circulated pretty heavily. And... When I first started noticing the camp setting up, I just started filming it. And then about seven months later, I realized that, hey, I've actually got an entire uh, kind of uh, story of how this whole thing came to pass over many, many months. So we could kind of see the formation of it from nothing to something to, you know, the nightmare that it became. And then that's kind of the story that I told. And it has been a huge problem for us, um, or it was anyways. We've actually very recently gotten that addressed, and we can get into that if you want. But, but for about 16, 17 months, it was a nightmare. And all of the things that you're describing, uh, they certainly were occurring. Um, so most of us invested heavily into just trying to protect our houses, you know, with new fencing, lighting, security systems, things like that. Um, we spent a fortune on it, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's been a mess. I, I understand the situation that people are talking about. I do have a slightly different view of it. I think than what a lot of your listeners probably have. And I'm curious but, your view too. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, over, over the time, um, you know, I've been involved in local politics for a long time. And so I've a had very long time because support. you've, you've run for state representative. For state rep three separate times. Um, I've also worked in a number of, um, of city organizations over the years, nonprofits, things of that nature, um, always, you know, voluntarily or, or appointed or elected or what have you. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been working in these groups for a long time, and so that's kind of afforded me the ability to, to kind of seek out some of these groups in the last year and a half and work with them and, you know, have them speak with me directly about these issues. So I would say a combination of working with neighborhood associations, a variety of, of homeless nonprofits, the city of Austin, various departments within it, and then APD also. And, you know, it took me quite a while to kind of put together what was going on because of the situation that was behind my house. It started with the city, worked with the neighborhood associations, started working with homeless groups. We actually raised a bunch of money to get a bunch of the people back there into a better situation. Uh, many of, most I would say, of the homeless back there actually worked really well with us. They were really kind and accommodating. The problem is, is that we had a small group of them, and this has been kind of my talking point over the last several months now. We had a small group of them that no matter what was going to happen, they were going to victimize other people. Mm -hmm. It was just plain as day. All of the things that you're talking about, us, you know, people defecating in our yards, burglarizing our houses, you know, almost daily. I'm not, it's not even hyperbole. Almost every single day a house was robbed. And it was always the same two people doing it or within their little group. Um, they were always the ringleaders of it. And so eventually what I was able to put together, and it, it took me a lot of kind of crawling through departments to figure this out. A lot of what's happening is because the, the county, not the city, but the county has actually prevented APD from being able to arrest people. And if you're not familiar with this, I would encourage you to talk to somebody who knows about it. Uh, you'll have to cut through a little tape to get there. But 
the county's got a policy what they refer to as defining actionable versus non-actionable offenses. And a non-actionable offense is it basically it's it's a little bit more involved in this, but it's basically a, a non-violent misdemeanor. And as I understand, the APD effectively even has to be present for a, a violent type of misdemeanor or they're not going to go after it. So some oh. basic assaults or what have you. Oh, yeah, Kevin, hold on just one second, because I want you to come back to that when we come back from the break, because you're absolutely right. You know, in this in this town, you they, we had a break in attempt into the gun store in June of 2020. Break in attempt. Eight people in five vehicles tried to ram our front door of a gun store. They shot rounds through the door of the gun store, shot the lock off the door, jammed the lock up with bullets. And do you know that no detective, no one investigated that attempted break-in into the gun store? So if you think that they care about you and what's going on with your Amazon package, someone stealing your, your, you know, breaking into your car, let me tell you, they're not investigating when eight people try to break into a gun store, people. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talkin'. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. And this is not an echo chamber. We all have different perspectives here. We're talking about the homeless situation, talking about shootings. And when it comes to the homeless, I'm like, you know, get rid of them. Kick them out of the city. You know, just burn them all. You know, and then we have someone in here saying, no, no, no. Let's let the city council do what they have to see. That's that's Cleo. You know, she you know, she she has a heart. And then we have, you know, uh, you know Taylor over here. Taylor saying, no, no, no. They deserve they can be homeless. Let them be homeless. Then you have this one over here. Here on my left, my son over here, you know, saying, no, 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 uh, you know, burn the government down. You know, <laughs> that's his perspective. You know, so we have a lot of different perspectives here. This is not an echo chamber whatsoever, you know, but, you know, I'm definitely support in support of Prop B, you know, doing something about the homeless and, and forcing the city to do their job. Go ahead, Taylor. All right. So I want to talk a little about the uh, human tragedy that comes from forcing people to not be able to camp. It forces them kind of into the woods more. It forces them away from the city, which has the services. And we don't always have the shelters or enough places to put people. And I know there's some, you're sometimes a little bit against um, housing people because you said it raises criminality a little bit. But even when we can, we can't house all the people. So we're going to force these people back into the woods, living into like tunnels under like uh, Barton Springs. And um, I have a friend, Alvin, who's fr- um, whose girl Susie drowned in a flood because they were living... They were forced to live in a uh, tunnel under um, Barton Springs because every time they would sleep outside, they ticketed by the police, and, and the and the fines just kept racking up. And it, he had they both had jobs, but they they couldn't afford to buy anything. Where are they from originally? Were they from originally? Um, unsure. I don't know. I bet you're not from Austin. Uh, I think that's kind of a common misconception that a lot of people who are homeless aren't from Austin. Last time we checked, since they haven't done a count recently and done all the statistics, but I'm talking about maybe like. Last time they did, I think that was in early 2020. They said only about 17% of people were from out of town who were homeless. Okay, go ahead. Well, my comment was just, you know, talking about human tragedy. There's tragedy, you know, human tragedy all over, and societies make choices. And uh, one of the commenters said, no right do you have to talk about how people should live. Uh, if it's public property, it's, you know, none of your concern. Hmm. But in reality, public property is 
the concern of the society. That's what it means to be public property. And societies make choices. Uh, that's why you can can vote. That's why you can have elections uh, and vote for people who have different opinions about what is going to be allowed and what isn't. And that's really all this all this comes down to. What sort of society shall we be? And are, are we going to you know obsess over the human tragedy that you know one group experiences and ignore the tragedy of you know little kids, women being terrorized, on and on and on. So at the end of the day, it's it's uh, it's not a contest of who can trump up the biggest tragedy. It's really a, a question of what sort of society are we going to create here? Um, you know, we, we will never house everyone who's homeless. And in fact, there are those who don't choose to uh, be housed, uh, not in the traditional sense. And that's fine. There's no argument. Let them do as they please. But there also have to be standards of behavior that mean that the people around them in the society are respected. It, it just comes down to that for me. It's just that simple. What society do you want to live in? What society do you want to raise your kids in? And uh, go vote that way. Kevin Litlow. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a totally fair point. Uh, I, I think the question, though, look, I understand that most people listening are probably very pro Prop B. I don't know what the right answer is. I, I just I don't think Prop B is going to do anything is the bottom line. Um, I, I think that the situation, the, the law or the ordinance, whatever you want to call it, that the county has passed has largely been the problem here. You know, it's still illegal to defecate in public. It's still illegal to rob somebody at their vehicle when you're panhandling or whatever else. I mean, for God's sakes, APD headquarters is across the street from one of the biggest camps. Why don't we have APD patrolling the camp uh, 24-7? You know, you tell me we can't take three police officers and have them walk a beat there if we know that it's that dangerous? You can't even, you can't even, park, you can't even park your car in the, in the Austin Police Department parking lot and go fill out a police report. Yeah, I'm, I understand. And, and this is what I'm saying. So I, I, I understand what the, the anger is. And the city deserves a huge brunt of the population's ire for what's gone on. They obviously didn't have any type of follow-up plan. What I'm saying is vote for Prop B, don't vote for Prop B. I think if Prop B passes, we're not going to see much of a change. The, the APD cannot make arrests right now for nonviolent misdemeanors. Camping is a nonviolent misdemeanor, even if this proposition passes. They may issue more tickets. Uh, but that doesn't really do anything. It's not like the people who are in the situation are super concerned about getting those tickets. We're fully aware of that. So I'm not really sure that Prop B is actually going to do anything because I think we're targeting the wrong problem, in, in all honesty. So, I mean, we'll find out if it passes, but but that's my prediction with it. Cleo? Hi. So having Prop B, it, it, it compels people, obviously, to seek shelter if there is shelter and that the city should provide some type of housing or safe campgrounds with services provided. But it also forces people to attend, to go to court. I'm a former probation officer, so I, I like to use community measures to try to help people out of their current situation to better, to a better, to better choices and to better So how does life. Prop B achieve that, though? The problem with homelessness is clearly the fact that, like, this is the problem with capitalism, is that, that when you have zero dollars, it's very difficult to acquire one dollar. When you have a million dollars, it's very easy to acquire another dollar. So it's clear that homeless people are just in a catch-22. They're stuck at the bottom of our society. Right. So I don't understand what your, what your plan of just criminalizing these people and just, and just hitting them as willing to find as possible. How is that easing the problem? Like, I, agree, I agree that there is a problem, and we all agree that there's a problem with homelessness. Right. But I don't understand how you think the steel toe cap of the government is going to actually resolve this problem. How is that right. going incre- to like, increase the well-being and raise them up the socioeconomic right. stat- la- like, uh, ladder? Right, I how, get what you're saying. So 
first of all, like I mentioned before, I'm going to always heed to the experts, and they all say that. No, but no, you, I'm oh, asking wait, you. I'm I asking am. you, though. And that, but that's my answer. The camping bans work, and I will absolutely defer to the experts that work in this and say, hey, we need your help. We need to compel people to shelter that's because a of. Well, hold on a second. It's not a cop out. It is. It is Calm down. I'm, Okay, I'm answering your question, you're but it's it's several parts to it. You're 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 my question. My question no, is very clear. I'm, is how I'm, does prop are, B? How does prop B? Can you please let me answer? Because it's, it's multifaceted. It's complicated. We're talking com- about the human condition. I don't think it is very complicated. I think no, very it is extremely complicated because in my professional life, this is what we dealt with. Okay, that's fine. We're compelling people to, to seek better. It, the human condition is not, it's not an easy A plus B equals C. There's a lot of dynamics to this, and obviously, every this has everyone's attention. Having this proposition back on and enforceable will have people either get arrested or give them time to clear out from certain places, like in San Antonio, or if you were at the city, at the Capitol, uh, for so the test. So you have to just mass incarceration oh of them then? Here. Yes. But you did say that. You're I'm not but, saying but, but, that. I'm saying that. I, have, I, have, I, have a not, I, I say I will, lock them up. You won't let me finish. You just said they will get arrested. No, she didn't say that. She's saying no. You didn't let me finish. She's saying no. I'm saying yes. You're trying to make me not make my point, but I'm going to Go make ahead. my point. Cleo, make your point. Um, so, so what I'm saying is, uh, as the state officials, you know, Democrats and Republicans that were there, uh, the state senator and representatives, because there will be a state camping ban. And they also want to know how to uh, roll this out in a, in a, in a humane and a dignified way. There will be uh, given, you know, a time period like, okay, within a month or a couple of weeks, we're going to be clearing out this encampment. We're going to find places for you to go. If you turn it down, then we're going to, you know, you, they'll have a campground. Or they're, they're going to figure out different places for you to go alternatives. And if you choose that, there, then the possibility of arrest is high. However, it is a Class C, and that doesn't mean jail. That means you have to go to court, and you probably will have to deal. You, to court. you will probably have to deal with a diversionary court or a probation officer or some type of person that's going to help you seek treatment. And if you refuse treatment, what else do you want from us? Do you want us to put a bottle in your mouth and no, say, I, I, please I, I, take I think, it? I, think I mean, come on, think about it. Like I don't, like I said, like, I don't, I don't think you can force people to take help. Like I, that's 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 the element of freedom, isn't it? That you don't have to. You can live in whatever standard of life you want to have. Great. So stay homeless. Mm. And, but just don't bother me while you're doing it. Uh, and I, I agree. I mean, okay. and at that's the end of the we, day, I, I there's agree. a lot of nonsense being talked here about what Prop V does or doesn't do. Mm-hmm. But the simple fact of the matter is, it doesn't. It is not society's job to make sure you have a house. It's agreed. not society's agreed. job agreed. to make sure you have the life that you want. Absolutely. It's your agreed. job. Yes. That's why you're here. Yes. That's absolutely. why you're not homeless. And I say that that's exactly true. So like. I was I was homeless for a small period of time. We're not homeless, homeless, but you know what I mean. I was in and you situation. wanted to fix it. Yeah, and I yeah. wanted to fix it. I agreed. I can't but, force you to want to fix it. No, absolutely, you, you can't. But I'm just concerned that I don't know if just mass kind of arresting these people or and or or finding them um, well, is going to be is going to be an adequate solution. Well, well, it might, to the might not be. Prop B doesn't solve all the problems. But, but think about it this way: Did Prop B? Did did the rescinding of the ordinance cause problems that did not previously exist? I would argue possibly. Yes, it did. I, I, I argue maybe. I think I think another big impact of that of homeless people in Austin is COVID as well. You have to understand that COVID fundamentally has damaged our economy, and people who were on the edge in 2019 were thrown into homelessness into 2020. And I think that is a component of the explosion mm-hmm. of the homelessness in Austin that we really should consider. But I still would not agree with just mass arresting these people. No, I don't, I don't think yeah. anybody would, even those who support. Yes, I'm probably many of us but, wouldn't. But in effect, that's what you're doing. It, no, you're not. The police have jur- they have the ability to decide if they're going to arrest. They don't have to arrest. It's right? going to put police in a bigger danger than they were before to no. begin with. It's ridiculous. All right. Let me ask you a question. Do you, oh. Are you, you, you have a high school education, right? 
Uh, yeah. You gra- did you did you graduate college? No, no. You did not, not graduate college. No, no higher education. How much do you make an hour currently right now? Seventy five dollars an hour. Seventy five dollars an hour. Are you black or are you white? I would consider myself black. All right, thank you. You're a black male. You have braids in your hair. You yep. make seventy five dollars an hour. You were you were homeless. You found the need and the drive to actually. To stop being homeless, you mm-hmm. found yourself a job. You don't have a college education, but you found a job making $75 an hour. There is no excuse. You know why? You have the drive, you have the determination to yeah. make change in your life. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has that determination. This is Michael Cargill. You are listening to Come and Talk It. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 